Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. This week's episode is a conversation I had a while ago with um, a friend of mine, actually, a guy who... He is so impressive, um, Torin Coughlin, he is the owner, manager, barista of um, two of my favourite places to go and eat and have coffee in Dublin um, and he is just a really interesting story of having experienced anxiety due to um, a very intense corporate life and um, you know we all are familiar with the idea of the rat race and the pressure of the corporate world and he did what I think so many of us dream of doing which is stepping completely off that treadmill and um, setting up a coffee shop which I, yeah I personally have googled how to do that myself that is not without its stress and anxiety of course as um, Torin can attest to I was really interested to hear from someone who could share their experience of workplace anxiety corporate anxiety and how they went about extricating themselves from that situation because I think so many of us who find ourselves in that position feel stuck and trapped and like there is no other choice there is no other avenue to explore or that we have to just book up and deal with it and um, when that's not always the case here Torin shares his story it was really interesting to me to get to know the man behind my my morning coffee and I hope that you will um, relate to this and hope that it will resonate with you too thank you so much for listening would you describe yourself as the guest on this series entrepreneur barista <laughs> I suppose like when I think of entrepreneur I think of like businessmen people in suits and for anyone who isn't familiar you are one part of the duo behind two boys brew which then has gone on to have milos which I constantly call milos in my head and the reason I wanted to chat to you on the series is um Number one, I, I've I've eaten enough of your porridge and granola and banana and honey and chicken sandwiches that uh, it's time we took this. I was going to say took it offline, but actually we're taking it online. Um, we've had a lot of the chats, and I really do feel like there is there's not enough men, and it's not enough even successful men talking about their experience of anxiety. It struck me when we were chatting that you you you're kind of living what a lot of people think is the dream 
when they're in like an anxious corporate situation, they think like I, I have myself have panic Googled how to set up a coffee shop thinking like this would be the dream scenario. And, um, but you did come from that corporate world. You did, you do have that textbook story of being like, I've had enough, I'm packing it in and I'm going to, you went down a completely different direction. So there's so many different things I'd like to tease apart. First, I guess, just going back to just you growing up, you ending up in Australia, ending up in the corporate world, would you say that anxiety was always um, a feature of your life or was it something that was brought about because of a high pressure work situation? I I grew up very introverted, so I wasn't someone that was really good around groups of people and I was very insecure growing up probably shied away from being amongst, you know, my peers or uh, groups of people or doing things that put me in, in the middle of, uh, or in the forefront. Um, So moving into like a corporate world, like growing up, you know, um, and then it was only really when I started going to college that I came out of my shell. And I think that's because I spent a huge chunk of my, life up until college um extremely overweight and uh there's nothing worse than them being uh in the closet and being extremely fat it's like being punished twice (laughs) um so I remember getting to college and I'd spent um I was telling this story to actually one of the guys in work I was saying that I had done my leaving cert twice and the first time I did it, I was 16. So I was way too young to go into college and really didn't want to go into that environment being underage. It, it felt like it, it'd be like another barrier. So, yeah, I did my first leave insert at 16 and severely overweight and really unhappy and very quiet and shy and reserved and um, didn't have many friends. And school. you hadn't come out at this stage or... No, so I would have been what sixteen, and I mean it was very obvious to everyone. I mean it, it, it's 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 you know, um, like most times it is for people, you know, but uh, for for other people from the outside looking in, um, and then didn't my living side wasn't didn't want to to move to college, go to college, and I said okay, I'll do it again. So in between them two leaving certs, I got introduced to the gym, which was amazing. It became kind of like my happy place. And were you aware of anxiety at that point? Was it something or were you just, or was it kind of flying under the radar? Like, did you feel the emotional side of what you were going through? I lived a pretty sheltered, not, I, I lived a pretty sheltered childhood. I was very blessed. I had a great childhood, um, amazing parents, great sister, lovely extended family. And I did my own thing. I didn't really kind of go past my comfort zone, really. And my comfort zone was very much kind of keeping to myself. I had my interests, uh, but I didn't partake in any kind of group activities or um, didn't really push myself in terms of, you know, getting uncomfortable, you know. Um, So it was only really when I started going to the gym and that was kind of like a, like a, a form of therapy really, because I felt like 
I was kind of shedding a lot of stuff, um, not just weight, but more, a lot of um, insecurities. And I just remember getting to the to the end of secondary school, going into college and being like a completely different person and so much more confident. And I also came from a very small town and an all boys school that like didn't really, it didn't really do much for me because it didn't, there there was no one, it's very hard to explain. It's like, it didn't uh, inspire me. Mm -hmm. I I felt like uh, I was trapped really in, in this place that, I was like, I just can't wait to get out. And I think that's very typical of a lot of young gay people. I think they're like, I just need to get out of my little town. I need to go to the big city. I need to, yeah, yeah, I need to become the person I want to be. So going to college and meeting new people and meeting people that had a lot of similar interests, it, it kind of opens me up and kind of, I, 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 I didn't feel that anxiousness that I used to feel, you know, in school. Um, so it was really nice to, to, to walk into that. And then it was kind of around that time of studying college that I came out to my parents. And that was just like the hardest thing to do, but also it was like the easiest thing to do at the same time. It's, it's kind of weird. I, I remember like, you know, meeting someone, in the gym and you know starting kind of dating and and having to then you know come out to my parents and it was like just one random night they were watching some holiday tv show and i was like i need to tell you something and it was just like said and then it was like oh that's yeah nothing it's grand so like then like taking that away and you know going into it was young adulthood it was like a very freeing, liberating time. Uh, and Did then you come it, against any roadblocks in coming out with with your peers, or had you not really? No, like not really at all. Um, it was very, it was very easy. Like it was very easy and comfortable. I think it's just because I my parents are amazing. They're really great people. I'm very, um, like, very supportive. And I, I, look, I also don't think it came as a major surprise. So it's not like it was this big, uh, crazy thing that, like, oh, my God, we, like, we didn't see this coming. So I think they had a lot of time to kind of maybe prepare for this or it was quite inevitable that it was going to happen. Um so that was all very kind of nice and easy. And then, you know, everything kind of just kind of moved very nicely, you know, then through college and and then kind of moving into the real world. Uh, I met my partner in my last year of college. Um, so I moved into the world. We moved into the world together, like the the, the, the real world and, we moved away and you're together a long time it's 17 years this year 17 yeah jesus you don't even look 17 i know know, yeah um yeah it's 17 years so we 
deal a lot of that kind of early 20s when you kind of start finding yourself and um you kind of explore and 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 go out into the world and try and kind of find yourself we did that together um and we moved to london and like that was a dis- not disaster but it was it was very hard that was a very tough time coming out of college and you know when you go into the media as a graduate i mean you get paid what out. did you study i did english and media studies if you wanted to get into media yeah i don't we we'd spent um you know growing up we would do we did quite a bit of traveling to la and my dream was always when I finish college, I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to work in, I always wanted to work in magazines. Uh, that was like the dream, you know, um, back then when magazines actually were a thing, you know, um, I think I'm like the only person left that actually collects magazines or buys them. Um, but that was like the dream. It was to, to go to LA to work in media and that didn't happen. Um, and I don't think it was probably meant to happen. You know, I met Kevin and we both kind of things just kind of fell into place and we ended up deciding to move to London and we did, um, I ended up going to work for Marie Claire and... What was that like? Um, I, it was a graduate role. So I kind of moved into, I, I was working a lot kind of more on the advertorial side of things. So it wasn't like I was, you know, working in any glamorous part like it was quite uh business focused um you know kind of creating features and you know finding brands that wanted to 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 you know do advertorials and wanted to you know reach the audience that way rather than kind of try and go through PR so that was quite hard because you really had to go and fish and you had to find brands and you had to hit targets and it was a big magazine at the time and that was quite tough um and I just remember like after like I think I was doing it yeah nearly a year I was just like oh my god I can't do this anymore like this is just you know I don't know if London's for us you know that rat race of yeah you know, on that hamster wheel and, and and you're working, working, working and our personal lives, you know, we were living in some really bad shit. Like they were, I look back now and I go, God, I'd never live in that place again. Um, we lived at, like in a studio at the, in an alleyway behind a nightclub that was absolutely tiny. And, you know, after every, you know, night of the club, like they'd just like pour the, the bottles into the bins and you know it'd be like four o'clock in the morning and we're like oh my god we have to be up and for work in like three hours um wow. so really last that long in London I mean we did a year and we decided to come back and then I did some jobs here and then we moved to Australia or we decided to move to Australia and it wasn't something that I had any interest in really doing um I'd been to Australia i thought yeah it's great you know but it was kind of the time when everyone was going to Australia um it was like recession time so everyone everyone was going to Australia and they were doing the year or they were doing their two years and they're farming and I was like absolutely not I'm not going to farm I'm not picking (laughs) I'm not doing bananas I'm like no not for me 
So, so I you went like, straight into the corporate side of things. Yeah. So we moved over and I did a couple of cafe jobs just, you know, to make a bit of money. Um, it turns out that arts is not a very desirable, you know, uh, degree, you know, for a lot of, uh, you know, Industries. a lot of companies. Yeah, it's not very transferable, really. Uh-huh. Um, so I ended up being a temp and I walked into this advertising agency. And they they were looking for uh, a, someone to do like the reception for a couple of days. And uh, the agency that I was temping for, they they sent me there. And I just sat there and I was like, oh, my God, this is like a this is like an amazing world. It was just like such like a buzzy creative space and you know everyone was I I just sit there watching all these like cool people walk in and out and you know they were dressed to the nines they were like dripping in designer clothes and they were drinking their you know coffees and I thought these people have the life uh and I said I said I went home one day and I was like I'm going to work for this company that's that's I'm going to work for this company so anyway, I didn't see that company for a couple more months. And then they they asked me to come back and do the reception for a day. And I just got speaking to someone. I was like, I'd love to work here. And they were like, what did you do? And I was kind of telling them. And I ended up like getting a graduate spot. And I was the same age as a lot of the graduates going in at that time anyway. So I didn't feel out of place where I wasn't older than anyone else. So I went in and it was a whole new world like a whole new world for me and totally different. And uh, it was really nice. It felt like I was kind of on this, on the path to somewhere and really enjoyed it and did it for three and a half years there. And what was your, what was your, I mean, it was obviously pretty fast paced. Like I know there's people think of Australia as like just being at the beach, but like pretty full on, I'd say expectation wise, pressure wise. Yeah, um, in a good way. It was really, really, it was really good. Like I look back and I and I have like I I just have such love for the place. Now Kevin always will remind me that like there were days you came home crying. <laughs> like don't forget them. Like it wasn't all like you know amazing, but I look back and I think of the time in Australia as a whole rather than just kind of breaking it down to professional and personal. But it was great. I learned so much. I, I I think I grew a huge amount in that job and got pushed into doing things that I was just not comfortable doing. Like I had to do a lot of public speaking. I had to do a lot of presentations. I had to really put myself out there as this confident, um, articulate person and 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 I spent the whole time just thinking how am I here like how am I sitting here like all these people are like super smart like super smart graduates and I'm just like I felt like I was um winging it for like a lot of the time and uh but like I I kept growing and growing and like so getting would you say that at that time, in that role, in that environment, you know, you're obviously being pushed out of your comfort zone and you had spent so long living very much within the walls of your comfort zone and a very probably rigid comfort zone at home. 
it was probably optimal anxiety that you were experiencing. And there really is such a thing where it's, you know, the good kind of anxiety that we step out of our comfort zone. We have a stretch zone experience. We learn, we feel a little bit of a fear, but we bring it back to our comfort zone and then we expand the horizons of it. So it's, it's in a healthy, manageable way. It's not, we haven't gone too far on the other end of the scale where it's starting to deplete us and negatively affect us. No, no like what was so good about over there was that Australians have this really, really good, like, they get a bad rep for having a bad for like bad work ethics um mm. but like i i found that they had they were like they had this like really good drive but it was kind of like they 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 work to live rather than live to work so like they they go like 100% in the office between x time and y time and then it's like bang we're out and we're enjoying our life um so everyone was really kind of like they just wanted to keep everything you know going 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 and they wanted everything to you know like everyone was very co-op um collaborative so it felt like kind of like a family which four years later after starting there i i transferred to the dublin office and that's like that was a completely different you know so this is where the anxiety comes back or catches up with you or 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 almost begins. Um, and this is when you start to experience. So like, I mean, we have this idea of like, oh, the corporate world is, you know, this awful devil wears Prada, wolf of Wall Street type of thing. And it was really, if you were in the right role in the right place, like it really was working for you, you were really enjoying it in Australia. So it was just about the actual, the the nuance of where you are then so then it was only coming back to Dublin in a different environment that things started to kind of take a turn yeah I remember like deciding to come back and thinking okay we're going to do this we had spent four years in Australia and we thought okay you know if we stay any longer and I accumulate any more magazines (laughs) in this apartment like we literally can't like go um so eventually we were like okay we'll come home and we'll you know try something and we'll see how we get on and at that time Kevin really had this idea I want to open a cafe and that's what I want to do I want to bring that whole Aussie cafe and bring it back to Dublin and open some something there and at the time I was like okay that's great um but we need to pay rent (laughs) So I ended up getting a transfer from my office in Australia to Dublin and was very excited. I was like, this is this is great. I had never worked anywhere else for that length of time. And I thought it has to be the same. Like it's it's the same company. So everything has to, you know, be the same. And I remember getting there and it was so different. And the people were so different and the way of you know the daily life at this agency in Dublin was so different to Australia and and the people just I felt no I felt like I had no support and I felt like I walked in there and I was just left to drown and there was no understanding or no like no one came to me and said like okay we know that you've worked in Australia for four years but like we're going to kind of show you the way here. 
And I literally was just like left to sit in the corner. And it was like, find your, find your own way. What and, do you think? Do you think that's a cultural difference? Or did you just, had you just sort of known the ropes in Australia and now you didn't? I I was like, I, I was really good at my job in Australia. It was really good. Like I, I remember like having, like I got multiple promotions uh, raises every year like everything was like building and building and building and it, you know if I had stayed there now like I, I my my assistant at the time in Australia is now actually one of the directors of the company wow. so I had I stayed on it's like god knows where I would have been um but it was just totally different like the it was just such a toxic environment and everyone, everyone just looked out for themselves. No one was interested in helping or asking me if I needed help or anything. Like they, like they couldn't even grasp. Like they were so disinterested in me that they couldn't even be bothered to learn my name. Like every single person had a different version of my name, <laughs> which I'm kind of used to. In in you know, but. It was it was awful. It was the worst, I think, six months of my life. I lasted six months there and it was waking up every day. I remember waking up pretty much every day and just opening my eyes. And the first thing that I thought about was I have to go into this office today and I just don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. And how did it manifest? What were you experiencing? What like was it was it just thoughts? Was it feelings? Were those feelings behaviors? Oh, I'd cry. I'd wake up and I'd just be crying. Like I just couldn't. I just was like, I, I felt a pressure because I, I, I'd always worked, you know, I'd never not worked. And I came from a family that were very, you know, they, they're hard workers and they, it's like, you don't give up that kind of thing. Did you feel pressure because you were a man as well? Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, it, no, I don't think it was because of that. I just, I just don't think they really gave two cents about me. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. They didn't care that I had no understanding of like the Irish media landscape or that I hadn't worked in an agency in Dublin before. They they had a, a role they needed to fill. They got me to fill it. And then they were like, just go and do. And I was working with like big, big brands um, during this time, you know, like big clients. And it was just like, I cannot, like, I don't, I just used to wake up crying. I would cry for the first, like, five, 10 minutes of the day and be like, I just can't do this. And how am I going to do this? And I remember like getting to three months and like, I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to keep going with this. And then I got to six months and I remember like, because no one showed me or was willing to help me, I was really kind of left to, you know, do things by myself. And I was just like, I, don't know what I'm doing 
you know, and when this smallest little mistake would happen, like I remember there was like one time I made it like a, a, I thought I made a mistake, you know, that's how I was like literally sitting at my desk every day. Like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, I like, I literally don't know what I'm doing. And like, I've, I've asked for help and like no one's can be bothered. They're all looking out for themselves and just worried about themselves. And I would just sit there kind of anxiously for the whole day, kind of waiting for five o'clock to, 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 to come and then be able to walk out. Um, and I remember that was the first time that I ever had a panic. I had a panic attack. That was the first time in my whole life. What do you think, like what was going on that brought that the first panic attack to the fore for you? Was it just the straw that broke the camel's back? Was it just one small thing? I think, or? It, I think it was like just the accumulation of everything. You know, like it just felt like all this pressure on my back to perform, but it was just no... I, I just felt completely lost. I felt completely lost. I felt so let down. Um, and I just remember, like, I remember, like, I was looking at Excel spreadsheets and, like, all I could see was numbers, numbers, numbers. And I just thought I had made a mistake on something major. And I just went into one of the, in, one, into one of the rooms and I phoned Kevin and I was like, I'm having a panic attack. I need... I can't do this anymore. And the next day I walked in <laughs> and it was, I I hadn't made a mistake. I just was so wound up and frazzled at that stage that I just thought I had. Wow. And at that point I was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I really can't. Um, and how did the panic attack feel what was happening for you how did you know it was a panic attack hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I suppose it's... 
I just remember having like a like finding it hard to breathe. Mm. You know, finding just every it, I, it, it's kind of like you're it's like that feeling that you're just about to like lose your mind. Um and it was quite a scary moment because I'd never experienced it before. And I just it was like my body just telling me, like, this is the wrong place for you. You need to get out of here. This is not this is not for you, you know. Um, and I've always believed that things kind of, that, you know, the world kind of moves you along, you know, whether it's to meet the right people or to, you know, do new things or I, I I just felt at that time like really like I'm I I've, I've I'm at my breaking point and I need to get out of this and I need to get away from these people and I just felt like I can't do this anymore and I'm going to I need to I need to just get away from this it was just a really toxic space you know in terms of i'm not sure what year it was but what year was it this would have been this was like a year before maybe like a year before two boys bruce so it would have been two boys bruce seven years so eight, eight or nine years ago um there was that <laughs> Oh, that is you're asking me, oh, what, uh, what, 23, so maybe like 2015. Okay, yeah, so for me, 2014 was the year that I, in a, in a sort of similar situation, brought on by a work environment, um, fell apart, and it was maybe always going to happen anyway, maybe it wasn't the, the work environment, but that was the thing, that was the situation for me that brought it to the fore, but what made, and I'm curious if you relate to this, what made it harder, what made it infinitely harder for me was it was not just, okay, you're anxious about work, you need to get remove yourself from the situation. That didn't make it really all go away for me because such a huge component of it was it wasn't really, we weren't speaking about it then to the extent that we are now. Um, Certainly not on social media, like you were only going on and showing yourself at your best, your best bits, your highlights. Um, and that's, of course, what we were looking at and perceiving with a skewed perception as how people were feeling and living and behaving. Um, for me, so much of, of the anxiety that I endured was not just the tangible anxiety about the job, but like, what does this say about me? Like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I handle it when so many other people around me are handling it? Um, culturally, it just felt like very... Um, like there's something wrong with me that it wasn't the situation it was me that I just couldn't rise to it did you feel that did you feel I mean because it wasn't a very accepting forgiving warm time it was a real like get on with this kind of attitude which we had adopted probably from like it was kind of like hustle culture to the exactly. max yeah it was like dog eat dog yeah so I felt I felt it was like dog eat dog and that I couldn't ask for help it was a sign of weakness if you asked for help or, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was just not a time when, I just felt like if I showed any 
weakness or insecurity in my role, it would have been like, you're gone. It just, there was no forgiveness in not knowing something. It was like I was told to walk in there and know absolutely everything about everything got to do with Irish media. And I was like, I just literally got off a plane <laughs> from Australia for the last four years. I don't know everything. Um, it was, yeah, you, you just couldn't, you couldn't show any sign of weakness. Were you able to admit or confront or embrace that feeling of weakness or sensitivity maybe is a better word for yourself like were you of course the environment you were in probably wasn't very forgiving but were you forgiving of yourself I was probably very hard on myself mm-hmm. um, I think every, I think each of us have I have extremely high expectations of of myself and where I where I want to go in life and I felt like if I I suppose I felt like if I if I I didn't want to let myself down I didn't want to, I felt like I didn't want to let other people down um you know I didn't want to go home and be like I can't do this or um I'm not capable capable of doing this um so I felt like imposter syndrome, I suppose. Like that's yeah. how I felt for a long time there. Well, I mean, this was six months, but it felt like the longest six months of my life. Of course. And uh, by the time you're experiencing those panic attacks, you know, it wasn't just overnight. It was a, an accumulation of, of stress and a lot of different factors coming together. And by that point, your your nervous system is completely overwrought. It's like you say, like that, that is such a prime example of anxiety that your mind was creating or or thinking you had made mistakes when you hadn't. It was just so on the lookout for threat to to, I guess, validate what you were feeling. And um, then it's it's not a case then of just saying, just switching it off. Oh, I'm anxious. Okay, grand, yeah, turn it off. So how did when you started to experience those panic attacks, did that stay with you for a while? Like how did you did you just go in right away saying, I, right now I know I need to remove myself from the situation or did you have to stay in it for a while longer? What was the next step for you and how did the anxiety, uh, did it stick around? I was pretty lucky that not too long after that. Now, I, it, the, 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 the big panic attack was probably not an isolated incident. I didn't, thankfully didn't experience that again there. But pretty soon after that, um, I came into a little bit of money from my time in Australia. Uh, I, I liquidated my my retirement fund. So financially, I was in a in a nice space. I didn't have uh, I had a bit of money there that I could you know fall back on, and I just was like I can't do this anymore and I ran out of there and you know I remember the the HR woman that worked there she the last thing she said to me was you walked in like a sunflower and you're walking out of here like a weed and I just thought that perfectly sums up 
uh, my time here. How did that make you feel? Um, I suppose it was quite nice to see someone acknowledge the decline <laughs> in confidence in because I remember my first day walking in there and being so excited and it was I was the guy from Australia and I you know worked in the big office over there and I was wearing a nice I was wearing nice clothes and I still had my tan <laughs> and then just yeah I think it was very obvious to a couple of people in the office that you know I got on well with um that it just wasn't the space for me and I think it was when I look back now it was kind of just maybe the universe kind of pushing me into what I'm doing now you know it's like okay you you've it was like I I look at it as a stepping stone to Mm -hmm. Australia to what I'm doing now it was just that kind of I suppose like moment of what comfort yeah it's like just kind of it was like I didn't really have to work too hard to find uh, a job I was lucky I kind of walked into it and it it you know paid the bills for a couple of months but yeah leaving that was just I had like it was it was crazy because I had no plans I didn't know what I was going to be doing well, that's anxiety inducing in itself yeah I suppose like coming, I, I think once you have a little bit of money in the bank and you kind of don't really have to worry about like the next couple of months rent, you're like, okay, it's grand. I have a bit of, you know, freedom. And I remember leaving and just being like, okay, I can breathe. I can yeah. breathe and I can just kind of figure things out. And uh, I remember like not too long after my old boss, like speaking to my old bosses in Australia and they were like, do you want your old job back? Actually, do you want, like, we won't even give you that one. We'll give you a promotion and give you the one on top of that. Like, will you come back? And just being like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, it was such, a, like, my mind was like, oh my God, like, these people, like, have beaten me to a pulp. And then, like, my old, you know, boss is coming back and, like, offering me contracts and contracts and pay rises and and visas and it, it was just like oh my god am I going crazy um and I remember going like yes give it to me send me the contract I'll come in back I told all my family that I was moving back to Australia Kevin was you know like yeah well let's go back and I remember you know getting the contract sent to me and just like that good feeling of like, this isn't right. Like it doesn't feel right. I shouldn't be doing this. And I remember like emailing them back and going like, I really can't do this. Like my gut is just telling me that it's not right. I should stay here. And it's not the path for me. Cause it was, I guess it would be kind of running away from the feeling and I know we've we've joked about this several times about you're all into your manifestation <laughs> manifesting yeah. and I, I am not decidedly not but having said that in talking about you know things I do believe that things you know you're what's for you won't pass you but I also have come to see anxiety and the experience of anxiety as 
really kind of like a compass in that if you start to live your life for too long a time out of sync with your values, anxiety rises to the fore. We start to experience it, it as a way to remind you that you've gone off course to redirect you back towards what or, or even not back, but forwards towards what is better for you. And then in that way, for me, how I began to understand it was that like anxiety was the compass. Well, if it's a compass, what's it pointing you towards? And it's pointing you towards your values, which are like, which are like your North Star. And maybe you had lost sight of your values. And maybe when anxiety and work comes about for a lot of people, it's because we're living very much out of sync with how we really want to spend our time, what matters to us. Um, and that's not something you can squash down for too long. I think if you're if you're not asleep at the wheel of your life, it will rise to the fore and say, hold on a minute, this is not right for us. Absolutely, 100%. And I think it's, and there's a lot of people that live like that. They don't listen to, they don't listen to what's inside or they don't listen, to, they, they don't recognize them signals. Like, the, like I like listen to my gut all the time. Yeah, because I mean, it didn't, it wasn't wrong the first time. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's when I have followed that feeling, it's, it's always brought me to a good place. And when you ignore them things, I always feel like that they either manifest, yeah, through anxiety or they, or, or an illness or just it, it, you never end up in a good place. Um, so, listening to I think a lot of people are afraid to listen to what's going on in their head like I really do I think even I was like that for a long time you know it was like the ear the, the, the headphones in the ears constantly I don't, I don't want to hear like anything in my head I don't want to I think anxiety comes along it like you can't ignore it it turns up the volume it cranks it up to say you have to pay attention now and that's yeah. what I think it serves a purpose then yeah, I, I, I definitely, yeah, you have to kind of like sit down, reevaluate everything that's going on in your life and you have to take inventory and you have to go, what is important to me? What, who do I want to be as a person? And what do I want to achieve? And ultimately, like when I look 10 years down the road, like where do I want to be? And that life you know, in the corporate world just wasn't for me. Like I couldn't, I couldn't live like that. It was just, for me, it was toxic. You know, I just didn't appreciate that dog eat dog, um, that world. I wasn't the type of person that was just like all about me. I don't give a shit about, you know, the person I'm working with. Um, so it was very easy for me to kind of walk away from that. And then you're kind of sitting there going, okay, well, what am I going to do? And at that stage, Kevin was really kind of working. He was working in, in the cafe world and he was, he had left the corporate world to, 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 to manage a cafe in Dublin. Which cafe was it? I will cut this bit out, but I'm just, cause I feel like I met him before. He was in, he was in brother Hubbard and sister Sadie. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Because I lived in Milltown and I think maybe because I really felt like when I first met him, I was like, I have seen this face before. So, yeah, the one on like 
Portobello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So he was really far into kind of learning the ropes and he just he, he's just naturally good at that. Um and at that stage it was like, okay, like let's do this. Like let's let's like let's move into let's do this. Like let's bring you know our vision to to life. Like let's start working on this. And I remember we sitting in our apartment uh, we had the most oh, I tell you what brought a lot of anxiety into my life not to, to not to make light of it um, was that <laughs> one day I came we were like staying we were renting this 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 uh, basement apartment off a friend of mine and Kevin came home and he's like, I've, I, I, I was in Copenhagen at the time do, with, with the advertising agency. And he texted me and he's like, oh, I put a deposit down in an apartment in Rat Mines. We're moving in next week. And I came back and I remember seeing the apartment for the first time. And it was like the most awful <laughs> apartment. It like smelled so bad of like spices and it, everything was yellow and <laughs> And I remember saying to him, like, how much are we paying for this? And he was like, I think at the time it was like 1500 or something a month, which doesn't seem like that bad. It wasn't too bad. But it was like more expensive than the two-bedroom apartment we were renting in Melbourne, which was by the beach in an apartment block with Aussie or AFL football players and models and actresses. And I'm like, we've moved from this to this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I do remember fondly about that space was we went and bought a giant whiteboard like the ones that you'd had in school and we stuck it on the wall and we started like putting together basically like a vision board I know you don't like vision boards but <laughs> I, don't, was, I don't not like them it was I like don't um, want to give them too much credit um, but it was just kind of really focusing on exactly what we wanted to do um or and, and what we wanted to 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 bring to the city and it's funny because it kind of all not that's funny i mean it, it was intended to look the way it is uh it just happened um but we yeah like we kept on refining 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 and and we were both working in cafes at the time and then everything just like them moving into into cafe world seemed very like easy Mm. um everything kind of just fell into place as if like okay the world is actually you know working with us you know and it was scary and you're taking out big loans and like more money than you probably ever had and you're literally pulling every bit of money that you can from every you know possible avenue that's that's terrifying it it was terrifying like when I think back now I go god we were very brave um because we we took out like I mean we spent a lot of money on the place you know uh probably a lot more than other cafes do 
and but it just kind of all fell very naturally into place like we met our chef through friends you know we had you weren't just gonna buy in your sandwiches from somewhere else no it was just never like that was never what we wanted and and you know we we needed to work with someone who got our vision you know and understood exactly what we wanted to do um you know when australian people or new zealand people come to the cafe like they get it they're like oh my god this is just like being back home and it's like yes like that's the that was our you know that was what we wanted we wanted it to feel very um australian and and sometimes people come in and they think that australians own it mm-hmm. um and do you but- feel do you feel in a way you wouldn't have arrived at this point where yes okay your life is still there's a lot of stress you know you've it's not we'll touch on that it's not without its stress but it's you're where you're meant to be and it's in line with your values and what you want to do in a way you wouldn't have gotten there with had you not hit that breaking point of anxiety? No, because I'm also, no, because if I had worked in that agency and everything had been going great and, you know, the money was amazing. Like, despite, you know, it it all being very hard, like the money was incredible. So it, it that was like, uh, had, let's say, everything gone to plan and everything went well, you know, that might have skewed, you know, how things would have progressed. Um, but I do think everything is kind of like, yeah, like a stepping stone or like another piece of the puzzle to where you are next. Um, and although it was a tough time and I, you know, might not have the best memories of of that year, I definitely appreciate how it's helped me get to where I am now. And I learned a lot about the type of person I am and the person I want to be and the environment I want to be in. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about managing anxiety? Because like we said, like it's not your, your job now, your life now is not without it, but it's not, it's not necessarily like a toxic anxiety that you need to extricate yourself from a situation. What for you have you learned as healthy anxiety? How do you recognize healthy anxiety versus something that's not, not good? I suppose, um, so something massive happened. So we were open a year and at the end of our first year, we had had all the locals come in to us in Vibsborough saying that no one lasts more than a year in this space. Mm-hmm. It's cursed. And we were like, we're going to work. We're, we're, I was like, I'm not even going to like, you know, listen to this. I'm not even going to take it on. And just over a year after our, we first opened, we had to close for eight eight weeks. And we had major plumbing issues underneath the building, which had a lot of different effects on 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 uh, on the cafe. And we essentially had to shut down, and we had to like literally dig up, you know, the floor of the kitchen of you know half of the cafe and I remember that was probably the hardest time we've ever gone through 
in business uh, as a couple, um, as employers. I remember just like, oh my God, like this is like, like was crazy. Like we were, we we didn't know if we were going to have enough money to get us back open. We had to let all our staff go and we had to you know hold on to the you know the really important ones like our chefs and you know our like baristas you know we we we, it was eight weeks of like I remember we were trying to get stuff moving trying to get builders in um things weren't happening fast enough you know we Kev and I were like sitting in this cafe with like no electricity uh in the well not we were actually we were we were in the dark yeah um with like half the floor gone mm-hmm. and going like this might never reopen you know we spent a year and like a huge amount of money to get this get this open and i remember like nights like i'd be crying myself to sleep wow it's like i like i, I was like how, how how is this like you know, gone so bad. Um, and I used to listen to, I, I would listen to everything. I was like obsessed with like the secret. I was listening to like, I, I was even, I'm not even religious. And I was listening to these like American, you know, pastors that like Oprah would, you know, have on her show, you know, that would be talking about positivity and, you know, the power of positive thinking. And I used to be going to bed like st- with these stuck in my ears, like going, oh my God, like I need to like keep my, you know, my head like, you know, in the right place. And uh, it was the hardest eight weeks ever. And I just remember like, at certain points we were like, you know, this is done. Like we're, this is the, the, the dream is over. And we pushed and we pushed and we never gave up. And thankfully, we got to a place where we reopened, and um, I, I, I always said, I always said to Kevin, I was like, nothing. We've gone through this; like, nothing will ever be as big as this. Like, we will never, ever, ever go through anything more difficult than this. Everything else moving forward is small. That's liberating. Oh, everything is small, and. We came back and thank God we had such a great community of people. Like we, we bounced back and it took us like a long time to, you know, work our way out of, you know, all the crap and, you know, mm-hmm. the money that we just spent. But we, you know, she yeah, had got back and then like, when was it? We're seven years. So like there was like two nice years and then it was COVID. Um, but I think, sorry to go with that to go back to the question about I think having gone through something like that, uh, it built up our tolerance, I think. And anything, as I said, anything after that seems so small mm. and manageable. And I think you have to then, you know, close your eyes and kind of bring it back and go like, we've, we've gone 
and conquered like massive things over our short time open uh, and dealt, you know, with these huge things. Like we can totally deal with anything that is like thrown in our way. Um, and thankfully the two of us have each other to bounce off and, you know, we have that support. Like I, I think it would be very hard you know, I know people that run cafes by themselves and I think, God, hey, they do it like by themselves because like we have each other to, you know, like even today, like we had hard things happen today. So you're kind of like bouncing, you know, off each other. Uh, but yeah, so I'm like really waffling. <laughs> oh, I love it. So just, I guess, to go back to, what you've learned um which is a lot but for someone listening who is dealing with really intense anxiety brought about by their workplace um and they're feeling that thing of oh god like if i if i say that i'm finding this too hard it might mean i might look like i'm weak um what would you, if you could go back in time to yourself in those 6 months what would you say to yourself what would you what would you do differently? Would was there was there enough sort of self compassion there? Do you think? I think I was just so afraid that if I did show any weakness, that I was maybe disposable, and that I'd be just kind of like tossed away and um, of no value. Uh, I would. I'm interested to. Uh, sometimes I wonder, like, if I had have turned around after, like the first few weeks and said like, guys, like, I just don't like, this is just not set up properly. Like there's no real guidance. I don't have anyone to talk to. No one's, you know, kind of showing me the ropes. Like, I don't know. I, 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 I sometimes wonder like, would it have changed things? But I suppose like, they weren't very nice people to be around, you know, like, so I think, you know, well, you my friend told me the other day, you can't convince a moron that they're a moron. And that's some of the best life advice I've ever been given. So you can't maybe always change the situation. And sometimes the best thing to do, though, it might feel like the weakest, might perceive it as the weak thing to do. is actually just to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we do now. I mean, there's, there's times when amazing people come in to do trials, you know, for, for jobs and they're great, you know, and they're super talented and they've worked at other cafes, but they just don't fit into the, into like our little world. And it's totally fine. Like it's, you know, we have a very, a certain way of working as does every other business. Um, I think you just have to surround yourself with, I think it goes back to talking about values. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always, you know, when you grow up, like your parents are like, don't hang around with them people, or, you know, you are the company you keep. And like, it's so true, you know? And I think the, you know, nowadays it's, you know, uh, 
it's all about like you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. I, I think if people really kind of looked deep into themselves and figured out exactly what they want and who they want to be, they'd realize that there is a tribe out there for them and that they can, they just need to find it and they don't need to be sticking themselves in what they think is the environment for them. Like they will find what works for them. And I just, for us, like we try and kind of nurture a nice environment, like where the lads that we have, like they're all really nice and they work well together and they all care for one another. And that's totally opposite to what I experienced in them six months. And it's so nice to see people care for one another or help, you know, each other out. You know, if someone's not good at something, you know, one of them will jump in and be like, I'll kind of show you this. Or, um, I mean, I do that obviously as the boss, but like, it's nice to see when other people do, when they kind of go outside their comfort zone and they, they go above and beyond to to be nice. I just think it's such a, a nice environment to be in and to be able to walk in every day and know that people are nice and they're going to have your back. And yeah, I I, I suppose like actually, it's probably it's probably to- rare like that kind of dynamic. On, on like it certainly in the corporate world, it's probably it's probably more focus on the bottom line than there is on creating that nice environment which is why a lot of people can end up suffering with really severe anxiety in those places and getting overlooked and feeling left behind and suffering imposter syndrome and you know being afraid to speak up um but credit to you for realizing that that was not a good environment for you and like such a huge thing for me has you know for so long I was like oh you should like if you just were made a stronger stuff you would have just handled it and you know where could you be now like well I'm just made of what I'm made of. And I ended up pivoting into a world that suited my nature better. Um, And it doesn't mean you're afraid or avoiding stress. It's just, if something is fundamentally out of sync for you, that's just not going to change. And you were very, in, in a way, the anxiety came along to make you realize that, which I believe. Um, and now you're, you know, it's given you that resilience and um, it doesn't mean you're not like living with daily stresses now. Um, but you're, you're right where you're meant to be because you actually turned towards the anxiety and you paid attention to it and you listened to it and you were curious about it and you, you didn't just squ- squash it down. Um, and that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do and the best ways that you can own anxiety and make it work for you instead of against you. So like in that sense you're a perfect example to me of someone who is owning it and yeah thank you so much for sharing all that you've shared and being so willing to be vulnerable and you know it, I think there's not enough there's not enough men um speaking in that way and and speaking openly about feeling uh inadequate in the workplace or um, unsure of themselves and um, knowing you and seeing what you've gone on to achieve that was just a moment in time for you that's not who you are um, so 
yeah thank you so much for for joining me sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.